0: Well, thanks so much again for joining us on this week's Tech Law 10 podcast. I think it's probably a first for us in all the, whatever number it is, approaching 170 podcasts we've done. I don't think, with maybe the possible exception of the EU's data protection reforms, we've returned to the same topic three times. We certainly haven't done so in as rapid succession as with this one. But, Eric, there's breaking news on Ashley Madison that we just can't refuse to talk about what's going on. <laughs> we just can't resist. Jonathan, who would have thought
1: that potentially cyber war could be the end result of extramarital affairs? I mean, think about that. Do you think when people go onto an Internet site thinking about, um, you know, Having a you know an, an endeavor with another outside of their marriage that could lead to you know international conflict, but let's explore that. Now we've heard about and we've talked about uh, the recent breach relating to the Ashley Madison site, which on its web page talks about having over 38 million anonymous users, not so anonymous anymore, for you know extramarital affairs, and that that's there's been a breach and there's also been some, you know, revelation of you know personally identifiable information from some of the users of that site. So that's a problem in and of itself. We talked about it. Could lead to some problems within marriages, maybe some divorces, etc. You know, we've also heard in the news about how there was a major breach relating to our office of personal personnel management, one of our federal agencies here, and the compromise of some uh, data as to federal employees. So, so what's, the, what's the bigger problem? Well, the bigger problem is that um, some of the email addresses, for example, you know, were .gov, and mm-hmm. some of the identifiable information at risk relates to, and I'm talking about Ashley Madison now, uh, yes. relates to federal governmental employees. Obviously, uh, the breach uh, having to do with our Office of Personnel Management relates to government employees, and we're reading in the news uh, and hearing about from CNN and others that foreign governments, uh, specifically China and Russia using intelligence agencies, um, are seeking possibly to use that information information to blackmail uh, U.S. government employees and then wield influence over them. So Mm -hmm. take hypothetically, uh, you know, a federal employee here in the United States who went on to Ashley Madison to have an affair. That employee does not want to be outed and found out about that. Uh, Then that employee, uh, through various uh, channels, is contacted by a foreign government that says, look, tell you what, you know, we are going to blow your cover and expose you as a cheater on your wife unless you do the following things for us. So do we know for sure, you know, this is Russia and China up to this? Well, CNN reports that uh, the governments oftentimes are not doing this directly. Uh, They're actually enlisting various hacking groups and private companies uh, to carry out these cyber attacks. Um, And then in some instances, they might be doing it directly. Uh, Reportedly, these types of cyber attacks, and, you know, we hear about them all the time, you know, have been on the upswing since the mid-2000s. Problematically, we're hearing that the U.S. government systems are less secure and more vulnerable than uh, in the private business world, and yet we're hearing about all kinds of problems in the private business world, too, in terms of hacks and security breaches. So if it's bad there and it's worse for our government, you know, are we really you know, exposed to a blackmail of our employees. And then, you know, when we get sort of to the cyber war point, you know, we're hearing that, well, you know, one way to have a good defense is to have a good offense. So if they're going to do it to us, we're going to do it to them. So I sort of circle back to my initial point in medicine. Who would have thought that when somebody going onto a website, you know, under the promise of anonymity, so they could link up and have an extramarital affair, could be actually creating a global uh, uh, incident uh, possibly with governments going back and forth trying to blow the lids off of uh, their various employees or at least threatening to do so unless uh, favors are done uh, for that foreign government. So I'm not sure I said this in a terribly articulate way, but I think you got my point, Jonathan, and you are artic—you are the more articulate of the two, so I'm sure you'll make it even more clear. i turn it over to you.
0: No, that was very articulate indeed, and I, I did get your uh, point perfectly well, Eric. And that, that chimes with something that I was hearing yesterday. I was at a uh, at an event under uh, what we British call, and I think you even do as well, the Chatham House Rule, so people can attend the event uh, and, and and not have attributed to them what they have said. But um, I think it is uh, definitely a large problem over here as well i think there's uh, i think the estimates are 1.2 million people with uk addresses are in the list of emails that's been exposed i hear that somewhere around 100 of them have mod ministry of defense related email addresses and many thousands of uh, civil servants so people who are in uh, or at least uh, email addresses relating to those in government, it seems to me that there is definitely already a match between nation cyber attacks and this list. I was speaking to somebody yesterday who um, has uh, told me that they had definitely seen evidence of it from a business a multinational business that has in the high 40s of people on the list, so uh, just under 50, and they have detected already activity relating to these email addresses that is suspicious. And we know that many attacks these days work on either phishing, so things like an email to that individual saying you are on the Ashley Madison list you want to remove yourself? If so, click on this link. Some people are tempted to click on links like that. And we know that also some of this bad stuff that can get onto corporate networks gets on through what's called watering hole attacks, where, again, you email the individual. If they're too clever to click on a link, you can, um, if you like, uh, beckon them towards a compromised website and plant the bad stuff into the corporate network through that and the other danger of course is that many organizations are now getting quite clever about trying to protect the way in which their email accounts are constructed not only because of malware but also because of spam and you know the type of email i guess all of us get even with the best band filters about um, business people in all sorts of the all different parts of the world trying to do business deals with us that frankly are too good to be true because they're too good to be true and and Mm -hmm. um, we we as corporations become much more vulnerable to that type of attack as well when 40 or 50 or 60 of our email addresses are out on the uh, you know out in the open this uh, particular business I was talking to yesterday took the view that they it was such a vulnerability in their corporate system that they would have to approach the individuals concerned and talk it through with them and give them a, a little information security lesson just to reinforce the training that they were already giving them because these people were especially vulnerable. And obviously, in Europe, that's not an exercise that's without its issues. My mm-hmm. suspicion is that if you are going to reach out to the individuals in your organization whose names appear on that list, and I understand many corporations are going through that exercise now. In Europe, that absolutely requires tact and diplomacy. Um, data protection laws will potentially mean that you can't handle that data that well because it's likely to be in some cases sensitive personal data within the meaning of the data protection legislation and the information commissioner, the UK data regulator, has already given a warning about the use of these uh, potentially leaked email addresses uh, and said that just because they're out in the open and public doesn't mean to say that they're not personal information. Now that's a sign i think that this is on the regulators agenda as well and so it needs careful handling and of course it's important to stress that not everybody whose email appears on the list is somebody who went out and had an affair um you know individuals have claimed that their email address was stolen that Friends did it for a prank at a um, at a you know at a, at a boys' night out. Uh, journalists have said that they signed up to see who else was on the uh, on on the list and so on and so on. Uh, okay. So it's important to stress that that you know some people are, if you like, a, a double victims because they're victims in having their email address exposed and all the hassle and security risk that comes with that but also victims in that in some cases their email address was used without their consent in the first place although i i'm not you know i'm not i'm not saying in any way that's that's the majority my understanding is it's it's the minority who uh whose email address has been compromised without their involvement But it's a very, very challenging topic, I think, and and obviously we started talking about it just as the news broke. My suspicion is that some of these employment-type cases are going to go on for years. You know, if I say that I was on the Ashley Madison list uh, and, and I hadn't signed up for it, and my employer approaches me because there's extra security vulnerability and wants me to know that the employer knows that I'm on the list, presumably in six years' time, if I don't get that promotion I think I deserved, I might well blame this particular incident and the fact that my employer wouldn't believe that my email address had been compromised. So my suspicion is these cases are going to still be unravelling for five, six, seven years. Maybe that's a pessimistic view, but... We've talked about this um, topic three times. My bet is we're going to be back to it b- before, uh, before long, Eric.
1: I, 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 I'm, I'm cynical like you are. And whether someone went on the site to actually seek out and then actually had an affair, whether somebody was just curious and thought about having an affair but ultimately did not and they were just shopping around, or whether somebody actually had some different mode of life fit journalist or was put on the list by somebody else, and they didn't know about it. Nevertheless, once on that list, um, there are a whole host of problems in terms of, uh, you know, pressure being brought to bear, uh, potential blackmail, extortion. As you say, there can be further privacy issues. Even if it's out in the wild, there can be employment issues, and we're going to be seeing this spin out for quite a while. And And just to keep in mind, Jonathan, this is just one major example. I mean, this is just the Ashley Madison site we're talking about, Mm. even though I did talk about the OPM breach, the Office of Personnel Management, Uh, but this is just one, and this is not going to be isolated. This one has quite a lot of notoriety just because, you know, the subject matter, it's a website about having extramarital affairs, which is extremely controversial to some and uh, potentially harmful to the people revealed, but you know, privacy is privacy, and we're going to see this, and we have been seeing this coming up with other sites. So this is why we've, we've come back to this issue. It is important, um, and it just it boggles the mind to think that this could actually have such an international flavor between uh, governments that are at odds and using this to their advantage, which is where we started with this particular podcast. So thank you for joining us for this this Tech Law 10 um, my name is Eric Sinrod, as you know. We've been doing this for, as Jonathan said, perhaps about 170 podcasts. I don't know the precise number for this one. Uh, you can reach me at ejsinrod at You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and other places. Um, and please uh, continue to dialogue with us about ideas for future podcasts. And now I turn it back to my colleague across the pond, the Honorable Jonathan Armstrong, to close it out.
0: Thanks very much, Eric. Thanks uh, again for for listening from me as well. Um, It's uh, always uh, very, very good to have your comments. We've got a a LinkedIn page that you can post those on or let us know. I'm Jonathan Armstrong, which is jonathan.armstrong at cauldrycompliance.com. An email address, I'm hoping, won't be appearing on a database like this anytime soon. All (laughs) all, All that remains is to thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Take care. Cheers.